entrepreneurialism is cool. Cue like music. It's like a entrepreneurialism is the future of our nation. With computers and technology, you can do so much more than ever possible. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. Building a business to support yourself and your family is insanely engaging and difficult. There's a lot on the line. The Fizzle Show is your Kenny Loggins background track, getting you all fired up about the danger zone in a good way. Your hosts are Corbett Barr. If this was Top Gun, he'd be Maverick because for him, it's easy to break hearts and tough to obey the orders. Caleb Wojcik, he'd be Viper because he wrote the rules of engagement. And me, Chase Reeves, I'd be Goose because I keep telling Corbett, come on, man, do some of that pilot shit. And he keeps saying to me, Goose, you big stud! So many of us get discouraged. We lose heart, lose motivation, we fizzle out, we feel like imposters and scream inside of our heads. What the hell do you think you're doing? This happens because you simply don't have the right expectations about what it will take to get where you want to go. What expectations should you have about your business, about yourself? Good answers here could make you much more likely to get where you want to go. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps, so let's get into it. Hey, Bar. Hey, Bar. <laughs> bar. That's a d- what are you doing for uh, first period, Bar? Let's cancel. Let's cancel first period. Let's go get a breakfast burrito and s- <laughs> make a few bucks. <laughs> hey, Bar. Hey, Bar. All right, so nobody ever called me that. You by guys the way. feel good on that? Reeves, Revo, Reeves. Did anybody call you Wajik? Some people call me Waj. What? <laughs> I just love or like or C Dub. Spoken that way. C Dub. I like C Dub. Some people. Some call, people call me Waj. Some people call me Waj. <laughs> I love how stop spoken that was. I did a couple interviews recently and um, on other podcasts, and I think it was Joey kissing me who was talking about like. I love, I just love when Caleb chimes in and does a thing. And I was, and I was, I was, I was honest, Caleb. Some of my biggest, heartiest, largest laughs happen like when I'm listening back to the show when you drop something, you know totally. what I mean? And it's the best. He drops a watch bomb on us. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> They're subtle but effective. Oh, a watch bomb. <laughs> Woo. Oh, that's, that's, a bit, that's a bit of watch bomb. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I love it. He's like wiping the tissue. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh that's oh, good. I love it. Me gusta. So, Chase, um, the topic today, if I, if I am, I'm paraphrasing here maybe, but yeah. this is roughly what you typed in an email. It was something along the lines of, Pardon me, sir, but uh, what are the proper expectations one should have of oneself and one's business when starting out? Was that it exactly? Yeah, I don't know if you noticed the effect I was adding underneath your voice there. I liked it. Uh, I actually, I just hear that when I talk all the time normally, <laughs> so I didn't notice it. <laughs> Hello, class of 1999. <laughs> I am thrilled to be on this stage. <laughs> Alongside so many others. <laughs> you can't even hang. And by the way, there's a, a commencement speech I that can't. happened at Georgia Tech. Have you seen that? You just lost the thing off the bottom of your computer. This is a racket, by the way, that Apple runs. You lose these 
feet off the bottom of your laptop. You take it in and they want to charge you $15 for one of them. Has it's this amazing. happened to you? Why do you think they're so profitable? <laughs> I got to put this somewhere important, otherwise I'm going to lose it. Yeah. You're really going to keep it? Yeah, because it's like $15 to get a new one and it's get really annoying. glue. Okay, so yes, we are going to talk about expectations. The expectations specifically, what I'm interested in in this is the expectations an entrepreneur should have before they start out. I realize looking back at me uh, and my story, I had expectations that I didn't even know about. I didn't know until I got super disappointed with the results that I expected a kind of thing. I never did the work to sort of define what those expectations should be. And since then, and through things like Lean Startup, working with you guys, working with lots of other founders, hearing a ton of other stories, I've learned so much about what you should expect and how these things kind of, there is a pattern to lots of these things in terms of specifically timeline, like how long something like a new blog or new business takes to sort of start to get some traction yep. and do that stuff. So what I want to hear, I want to just kind of wrap with you guys about what what your experiences has been, have yeah. been, where we hear from entrepreneurs all the time about, you know, saying things about expectations, about, you know, just assume, making assumptions, making an ass out of you and me about what things need to happen before they actually are able to do this next step. When yeah. it's actually, it's a lie. You don't need to do that before you're doing the next step. And in fact, you've got those out of order. You know, in some ways. Yeah. So common, common misperceptions, and, sticking points. Yeah. Stuff and like, like that. big picture, like let's, you know, for people listening to this, try to answer some questions around how long will this take and what's going to happen and how likely is it that my plan is going to succeed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. So does that feel good to you guys? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I think the biggest thing for me was until I started to listen with like, okay, I'm an entrepreneur now. I'm going to start listening like an entrepreneur. Yeah. to things like interviews and podcasts and stuff like that where people were talking like entrepreneurs and still I until I like made that switch I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, I you know there's it just so went in one year out the other when someone that ran their own business talked or I thought about Steve Jobs or something until like I put myself in their shoes. Isn't it great like where we're at now by the way in you know 2013 um just how many resources are out there? Yeah. about entrepreneurship and how you can really learn from what people have done before. I remember, you know, being just like 10 or 15 years ago, just having zero clue what entrepreneurship was about. The only thing that really existed, it seemed like, were um, MBA type ideas of what a business is. Yeah. And that told you nothing about what it took to start something yeah. from scratch. I was just listening to an interview from somebody who's like, I did the whole MBA thing. And the only thing I took away from it are the textbook definitions of sunk cost and opportunity cost. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and like the Black Scholes formula for evaluating options or whatever, and and like some you know template for writing a business plan that none of us are ever going to use. You know, because we're never going to really go. You know, uh, we do have an MBA on on the call yeah, right now, Caleb. Uh, uh, what was the Caleb, most useful uh, thing? First you time took MBA. Away? Let's hear. Let's hear Caleb. When, yeah, uh, yeah. What was, what Long time you, listener, first time MBA. What yeah. did you say? Yeah, I actually what did, did have an entrepreneurship class when I took my MBA before I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Nice. And mm -hmm. I don't it, remember much about it. You must have learned an awful lot. Tell us about it. I don't remember anything from that <laughs> class. You, actually, what do you remember most from MBA school? What are your fancy business school? What do you remember most from your fancy business school, Caleb? You think you're better than me? Huh? Wodge. <laughs> You're just a wodgic. And you'll always be a wodgic. <laughs> he, he doesn't know when to butt in. 
You'll never... You just got to start talking over it. I have no visual cues with no video today. <laughs> oh, so. this is a bummer. Yeah, okay. So, so Chase can just go on and on. Is and there anything never... that you do take away from the MBA stuff? I mean, I definitely did learn beyond what I learned in my undergrad business mm. education, but I think the biggest thing was just the connections that I made with other students and the professors, mm. less the textbooks um, and the things like that. A lot of the case studies were interesting to me. Yeah. I would read all of those, but the textbooks, a lot of this stuff was very similar to what I did in undergrad. Yeah. Cool. I like it. So, expectations. And, that's, and by the way, like, um, oh, sorry. Did I so block you? You so blocked me. No, you, and by the way, blocked me. <laughs> by the way, so I, uh, I, I've had quite a few friends who were oh, good. NBA types. You have had quite a few friends. I've yeah, had my, friends in my life. My name's Corbett Barr. I've special. had quite a few friends. I don't know about you. I mean, you look pretty lonely, but I myself... I've had quite a few friends. It's uh, it's it's easy to be down on the NBA thing. I've got a good quote actually from Seth. Godin I think you're thinking about, of down with the NBA. Down my on, man. Down on. Are you down with? Hey, kids, are you down with the NBA? <laughs> um, no, I'm not talking about Michael Jordan. <laughs> not that guy. Nope. Different. Entrepreneurialism is cool. Cue like music. It's like a entrepreneurialism is the future of our nation. With computers and technology, you can do so much more than ever possible. Is this an ITT no, you tech need to, commercial? Yeah, no. Or you need to cue the. Uh, remember, are you guys old enough? And you probably aren't. That you sat in class and actually had a film projector, mm. like sitting next to you. You're trying to watch one of those old films about like blood on the highway or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. like, and it's like got that. Yeah, that film roll next to you. Uh, okay, so the uh, the NBA thing. Yeah, Seth Godin is very down on NBAs. He's down. With. A lot of people are down on NBAs. NBAs are hip, and um, <laughs> I think uh, I, I've got I've I have known a lot of people that went to um, big NBA schools like MIT, Harvard, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that they got from it was a. A lot of really great connections with people who went to school with them. That's why I'm down with the NBA, bro. The other thing is, um, it's like a gateway to investment banking, consulting, mm. like those kinds of jobs. They're not and getting an MBA doesn't really have a whole lot to do with entrepreneurship, or at I least keep, it didn't. I keep waiting for the other foot to drop, but this all sounds good to me. <laughs> Perfect. Keep the douchebags in the banking world. You know what I mean? There you go. But wait, what's, Glad the, Seth we saw what's the Seth Godin quote you have here? Hold on, let me find it. God damn it. <laughs> Tip you ready? me over and pour me out of its knowledge. <laughs> We're never going to keep this to 60 minutes if this is how it's going to start. <laughs> this is about expectations, but let's just continue the MBA thread. Here's what Seth Godin says. He says, an MBA has become a two-part machine. First, the students are taught everything they need to know to manage a company from 1990. And second, they are taken out of the real world for two years while the rest of us race as fast as we possibly can. I get away with this heresy since I, in fact, have my own fancy MBA from Stanford. The fact is, though, that unless you want to be a consultant or an investment banker where a top MBA is nothing but a screen for admission, it's hard for me to understand why this is a better use of time and money than actual experience combined with the dedicated reading of 30 or 40 books. If this is an extension of a liberal arts education with learning for learning's sake, I'm all for it. If, on the other hand, it's a cost-effective vocational program, I don't get it. 
Yes, I know what the Black-Scholes equation is, but no, I don't understand it. And no, I don't need it. Do you? I, I don't know what it is, so I, I probably do need you it. You probably do need it. I'm feel a like you need it. Mather, so I'm not sure. Do I need it? No, I don't think so. You know what it makes me think of? Um, uh, so when we record podcasts, typically we're at Corbett's house. Corbett and I are at, at his house in San Francisco and, and up at East San Francisco where everybody's in a startup or like makes art with their boogers. Tell him, or, tell him what every happened every day past- you text us, oh, I yeah. met the founder of this name. <laughs> tell him about that the past two times, right? So what, yesterday I met a guy that I've, looked, I've been paying attention to online for a very long time. His name's Zach Klein. He's a young dude. And he was a part of, I don't know if he was... Uh, he co-founded Supply, S-V-P-P-L-Y, which is a really cool uh, startup-y thing. And he was also, he, he co-founded Vimeo. He was the design co-founder at Vimeo. And designer. He looks like he's about 12 and a half years old, okay? Like, talk about not going to business school and instead just learning on his feet while he was doing the thing. Uh, and it was just it, it like it never struck me so much as just running into him and and I knew he was young, but then you just you and it's like wow, wow, I'm like a dinosaur compared to this guy. But and he's brilliant. He's just a smart. Well, he, found, kid. he co-founded Vimeo in 2004. So, but yeah. um, and this was just on the street after you left my house, right? Yeah, yeah. I literally that's the second co-founder of DIY.org that I ran into walking. They out must of your have house. an office right around. They the do. Street. It's right up the street. I went. I found it. Or they're just wandering <laughs> looking for Corbett. Yeah. So. Let's get okay. So we, what we've done is effectively said, "Look how cool we are. We don't have MBAs except for logic." And he dropped a watch bomb on. Us. Yeah, I don't even know how we got into that. But um, but let's get back into expectations because, frankly, I I feel like I wasted a lot of time and and had a lot of heartache because I didn't realize the assumptions I was making about what I thought business would be like. Right. And I mean, thinking about expectations for a little bit. I, I was I kind of used expectation and assumption, kind of one to one with it's each similar, other. Yeah, um, but in some ways, so one of the worst things about working for other people, inherently expectations are sort of heavy. They're taxing. They're exhausting. It's way someone think. It's like my someone else's expectations of me become my job description, or or they become sources of massive contention in like husband wife pairs or partners of some kind like that. Right. That's a good point, Where, though. They they can be internal or they can be external. Yes. Yep. That's kind of what I was getting at. They can be internal. They can be external. They can be true, or they can be false. They can be realistic. Or they can be unattainable, and they can be uh, they can be those of others versus those that like the internal extra. I kind of came up with others versus owned, like the th- the expectations that I've defined as like okay, this is the standard I'm holding myself to. Yeah, that's what's so interesting to me about expectations is if you do the work to set up an intentionality of myself on this business on the calendar sort of you thing. You know what I mean? I can say. You know, people like you, Caleb and and Corbett, who have spreadsheets, they're used to uh, forecast versus actual. You have spreadsheets too. You have a Google account. So I have a lot of spread. I have very few sheets, if you catch my drift. Okay. Um, (laughs) And I hope you do. But the forecast versus actual thing is something I've never done. Like in any sales environment, you put a number on like, hey, I really need you to yeah. get to about this. To, there's your quota. Like way to, way to take there's, all of the wind out of my sales. Totally. And, and that was my job for about three and a half years. <laughs> exactly. There's a, there's a chapter in the, one of the 37 Signals books that is titled um, Planning is Guessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. To that point, um, 
expectations in some ways are just guessing. But why not make an number one an intelligent guess about your thing, and number two, why not why not realize that there's a guess in your going on somewhere under the surface of your con, subconscious, whether or not you know it, because you're going to get to you, you know it's so common for a blog blogger to start a blog and in 90 days realize no one's come to my site nobody cares i don't even care what the hell am i doing this for right and so you kind of start to hit this either way and sometimes that'll lead into a serious depression sometimes it leads into just like heavy duty disappointment sometimes and but the worst case scenario is you had a good idea you didn't do things the best way or you didn't have the right expectations and so you quit at that point (laughs) yeah because you just didn't do this work to realize what was going to be possibly typical. Or, I mean, seriously, maybe you got a divorce or something because yeah. like the people around you were under a different impression than yeah. reality. Kind of going back to our, our uh, episode where we talk about can anyone be an entrepreneur? Caleb, can you look up the number on that one? Because I can't yeah. remember what it was. But can anyone be an entrepreneur? And one of the things that came up was like, well, you know, we see how hard we're working here, how much time and effort we're putting into this stuff. Seven. It was number seven, episode seven. This can absolutely, this could be, this could absolutely ruin my marriage if I wasn't right, at, like tuned to this kind of work. Yeah, you know what does almost ruin my marriage? Working in a situation where I'm being like my soul's being sucked out of me totally from, my rectal. from your side. It ruins it from your side. Yeah, because I, yeah. I walk home and, I, and I'm and I'm just. I'm dead inside. I know. I, I know. can't love my wife from there. That's the thing. It's really easy to talk about how difficult being an entrepreneur is, but yeah. the what's the what's the quote um oh, about the the quiet desperation? Mm, I don't know it. I don't know. Caleb, come on. So Caleb, any, that any was any other words in the quote? <laughs> that was episode seven, Caleb. The, Most uh, men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. Exactly. Ooh, Henry Look David Thoreau. Exactly. So that 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 that's the I thing. Think you're thinking of Thora. Thorough. Henry David is quite thorough. He's so thorough. <laughs> my, oh my, he is one of thorough devil, and I can speak to that from personal experience. You're so quick on the Google, Caleb. I love it. Um, connected to the internet, connected to the Google. That's the thing. It's it's uh, it's easy to talk about how difficult it is to be an entrepreneur because it's all compressed. You're going through this yeah. thing over the course of three months or a year or whatever, whereas living a life of quiet desperation, going to the grave with the song still in you, yeah. Um, you know, that can lead to plenty of negative things in your life as well. Totally. So what I think what we're talking about here is if you imagine a, a spectrum of uh, of expectations from crazy, overly unrealistic, uh, optimistic sort of expectations, like I'm going to quit my job and next month I'm going to be a big success and then I'm going to yeah. travel the world and start a business totally. and blah, I've blah, blah. I've got the Midas touch. I'm a real go-getter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To being really pessimistic about it, and maybe that's not the way to go either because... Um, Hold on, I really like the idea of, of a character that says, I've got the Midas touch. I'm a real go-getter. <laughs> I just like, like, here's Bob. Bob. Bob's an entrepreneur. i got the Midas touch. I'm a real go-getter. <laughs> like, like, is he going to be on SpongeBob or something? I don't know. I don't, I'm Salty, the gotcha guy. I like that. That the was, gotcha funny. Guy that was a internet. funny intro. So we, uh, <laughs> I think what we're getting at here is trying to help people formulate realistic expectations, expectations yeah. that are grounded in reality because it makes your life a whole lot easier. It makes the entrepreneurial emotional roller coaster that you're going to be on less dramatic, yeah. right? You're more even keeled and you kind of know like, okay, this is going to be a lot of work. Yeah. And however much work I think it's going to be, it's probably going to take twice as much or three yep, times as totally. much. 
Um, I've got a quote about the entrepreneurial roller coaster, if I may, from Mark Andreessen. Oh, let's hear it. Mark Andreessen, who um, created Netscape. Um, just that little thing. <laughs> that little thing. Just the first browser, or one of the first browsers. Yeah. Uh, all right. He says, first and foremost, a startup puts you on an emotional roller coaster unlike anything you have ever experienced. You flip rapidly from day to day, where one, you are euphorically convinced you're going down, you're going yeah. to own the world, to a day in which doom seems only weeks away and you feel completely ruined and then back again, over and over and over. And I'm talking about what happens to stable entrepreneurs. There is so much uncertainty and so much risk around practically everything that you're doing. The level of stress that you're under generally will magnify things and um, incredible highs and unbelievable lows at whiplash speed and huge magnitude. So that sounds like fun, right? <laughs> sounds really good. I like that part where we go on the roller coaster. Exactly. And this happens. I mean, it's, so from my own experience, I remember, you know, despite not really setting expectations, even in my first, uh, my first big attempt at entrepreneurship um, with a venture-backed startup, I remember I didn't really set expectations, but the problem is that eventually you can kind of see like success, what it would yeah. look like. You feel like it's really close. Yeah. And then the rug can be pulled out from under you really quickly. Yeah. And I remember this not particularly saying like, okay, this is going to work or it's not going to work in the beginning. I was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to kick myself if I never try to be an entrepreneur mm -hmm. because I don't want to be that guy who goes to the grave with the song still in me. Yeah. I want to have like, proven whether or not I could do this or not. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling very much like um, even keel in the beginning and then like, holy shit, I can't believe all the stuff that I put on the line to make this work. It mm -hmm. better work. Yeah. And then feeling like, okay, it's going to work. And then feeling like, oh my God, this is really going to work. I'm going to, I'm going to rule the world just yeah. like Mark said. Yeah. And then all of a sudden feeling like the rug is totally pulled out from under you mm -hmm. on a day-to-day -day basis or week by week or whatever. Yeah. It's, in some ways I feel, I feel I resonate with that a lot because even with, even for fizzle, like I've had days just in the past week where uh, it was like, we are on to something. This, I'm in the middle of the story and the ride of my life. I love this. And we are, ugh, we are going to be dead. Nobody's <laughs> interested in this. This is going to be, we're, we're all imposters. Nobody's going to pay attention to any, but anything here, this is all going to be proven false or this is all going to be what, you know, all those just negative, the, 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 Basically, the resistance, the the demon in me, right? And and it it, it is because you're the one in the captain's seat. No, I don't have an Ohura, captain, you know, an Ohura there for me to say like, "How are we doing?" You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have one of these. Uh, do you know who Uhura is? If, yeah, for the non nerds out there, that, that was a uh, uh, what Star Wars reference oh, or something? God. Star Trek. Jeez, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb actually I just wanted to get a rise out of Caleb. He, he turned red. He got pretty frustrated on that. One, one he, of my favorite was, gifts you have, uh, Chase, is the one in Star Trek where they're all just like. Furrowed mm -hmm. brows and looking at each other. They're just looking at each other. There's a there's an amazing star, YouTube video of the star the Star uh, Trek guys watching the Miley Cyrus twerking at the VMAs thing. <laughs> nice and and it just it's so great. It's really That's good. Awesome. Uhura takes off her her earpiece and like throws it down. <laughs> it's so good. But the point being, 
I don't. I don't. There's I'm, a point to this. I'm, I'm Captain here? Kirk, and I don't have anybody around me to say whether this idea is good or bad. Yeah, I have my audience who I can look at and say, like, you've got to be crazy to be following me in the first place. You know what I mean? Because it built into every entrepreneur is this, in every artist, every, everybody is this kind of um, uh, what? It, what's it called? The uh, the sense that you're a, a farce. That you're uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A joke. I, I said it earlier. A no. fa- you're you're fake. Uh, yeah, you're fake. Like you're an imposter. Yeah, you're an imposter syndrome. Right? right. This is really common. That that you got, you run up against this wall. You rub up against that soundpaper. As an entrepreneur, you kind of you are. You're flipping back and forth between. And I, like I said, I, I have li- just this week. It's been like that for me. And, but it's not the first week I've felt that. I felt that in every little solo venture. Totally. That you that I've done. Well, you know? I, I feel that every week, despite yeah. being nearly five years into this particular venture that totally. I'm in. It's like. Still, every week, I I have this self-loathing every once in a while where I'm like, yeah. you're an idiot. What do you think you're doing? Yeah, who do you, you think know? you are? Yeah. You know? So that comes out, and, and that's a, a perfect thing to expect. Your internal barometer. So here's something I've read about. Uh, I, was just, I did this like filming thing with Josh Ship, and we were talking about millennials, right? Millennials, millennials. We're, apparently, we're millennials, and we're millennials. This I don't even know what that means. Yeah, it just means it means something that somebody people younger can call than us, me. You know, people younger. No, than actually, I you're like right on the cuff. I think. Oh, no, thanks, thanks. A little. Thanks yeah, for maybe being just inclusive. before you. Whatever happened to Gen Y? That's gone. That's yeah, what you are, Corbin, I think. nobody knows where they went. They That's what people said. Spaceship or some. <laughs> but um, but the millennials, one of the things that is uh, like 60% of them or something super high about them compared to other people or other you know people groups or generations with names like millennial or gen something is that they, they more often than not believe that they will know the right path by the way it feels rather than by the way, by you looking at a spreadsheet or figuring out, you know, whatever, look traditional logic reality type of things. And I totally resonate with that. Like I'm very like kind of a live from the gut kind of guy. And I mean, you've seen my bathroom, you know all about that. I have lots of toilet paper because I'm living from my gut more often than not. Right. But, um, but it's interesting because as an entrepreneur, your gut got you into this thing. And so someone said this on a twist interview as well. You trust, actually it was Jerry Colonna. You trusted your gut and it got you this one big success. And now you have confirmation bias on your gut, but you have so, so, so many thoughts. And 99% of the thoughts that go through your head every single day are false, right? So because one was super successful, you're more likely to trust your thought. Again, this is why we see, you know, CEOs or guys who are the super sexy startup guys doing a thing and then they sell that super, and then, and then so often like they're not, a great second time entrepreneur, right? You know, because that was a series of circumstances in this particular time and situation. And they were, they were set up well for it. And, you know, and then, so it's an interesting thing to anticipate. And that, and that's, that's a really important point because it's, it's, um, it's very easy to follow and trust and really believe in someone and raise them up and put them on a pedestal because they were successful. And yeah. um, the ones that you should follow are the ones that are really humble about that success because they know yeah. that it was a lot of circumstance combined with their brilliance and whatever. But it's yeah. not as if every success is purely the entrepreneur. There's so many other people and circumstances. Totally. Or the people that are successful multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's great. Like I look at, uh, you know, 
the guys at Twitter who, you know, handful of them went to, to Medium, and it's yet to be proven. Like, what is this thing? I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to actually, it'll end up being super successful because of the kinds of person that, that's behind that. But also, if you had started Twitter, it'd hard, be hard for you not to be successful with your next venture. I yeah, would imagine with that platform that you had. Yeah. So. so, what that brings up, though, is is something that actually I wasn't anticipating talking about. That is totally something I wish someone would have said. Anticipate this. Expect this. Expect that you're going to have an emotional roller coaster and that you're going to have a gut that gets you into this mess in the first place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that gut's going to let you down. And it's this, there's this, there's this dialogue between your heart or your gut and or your, whatever your emotions and your head. And so sometimes you're going to be at rock bottom, really just feeling like you're a piece of crap and you're a total imposter. Nobody's ever going to listen to you. This is never going to work out. It's never going to work. Right. Then, and your brain has to kind of, okay, I'm going to take over. Just know, you know, your, your brain. So I've noticed this within, in me where my gut can get me into so much great, bright, brilliant, and sparkly stuff. And it can also be the source of the apathy and the depression and the, and the crap that like, like that. I'm like, I'm so horrible. This is yeah. never going to work. You piece of crap. Yeah. Right. So those are the times that I ha- have to really let my mind pull me through and just trust, have that faith in like we have the concept in the productivity course in Fizzle between the CEO and the worker bee. Yep. Like just be that CEO in that mode or trust in the CEO part of you in that mode when you're like, this isn't work, this isn't interesting, nobody's going to like it. Just trust the boss that you were two weeks ago right. and try to write it, write it through. That's something that would have helped me. And to be frank, this leads me to my second point uh, that I wasn't actually anticipating talking about. Expectations. You know what? I am so much better off that I worked under Pete Grillo in Portland for three years because that's where I cut my teeth on that emotional roller coaster and so many entrepreneurial questions and situations. You know, Expect- expectations, this gets to that lone wolf thing. We kind of expect we can do this. Why? Because it's just WordPress and a handful of social triggers and uh, think traffic posts and the, the idea of a USP and some sort of technology and look at me, I can do this thing, I can start up my blog, right? We've all been there and had you know the sky in our eyes and big bright eyes and bushy tails and then 90 days into it, we're like head in our hands. I This hasn't worked yet. You totally, know what I mean? Totally. And it's deep into the depression stuff, right? We're, we're painting a pretty dire picture here. Yeah, I don't know. Someone out there is dying, and this feels good to you. This, this is this would have hit me well. You know, it would hit me hard, but it would hit me good when I if I would have heard this a, a year ago. You know, I have a perfect voicemail of someone that is really discouraged. If you want to listen to it real quick and keep talking about this, well, is it would it be shareable? Yeah. No, he he means a, you mean a, a fizzle show voicemail? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. All right, let's take a listen to Kevin. Hey guys, my name is uh, Kevin. Um, I had a quick question as a as a growing entrepreneur and starting out. You know, I have a lot of problems, like such as, you know, what when I get discouraged. What do you guys do to not feel discouraged? Because it's hard for people who are just starting out to not feel it. So, coming from you guys who have a lot of experience, um, what do you guys do to not feel discouraged? Yeah, totally. Right. You can hear that in his voice. You can yeah. hear the kind of like there's an intensity, sort of a, a real need kind of there. And to me, my answer would be, uh, and I'm going to pitch it to you guys, that idea of I, I, 
when I get discouraged now, at least, now I've done it, I've gone through that, that dip so many times that I know it's just my gut and my heart being anxious and horrible about, because that's it's so prone to go there. And my mind is telling the, my heart basically to write it out. It's going to be fine. It's like a bad, right. bad drug trip, basically. Yep. You know what I mean? To me, the, what Kevin says, I mean, the, the whole entrepreneurial journey, it kind of, maybe we can use surfing as a metaphor, like that when you started out and how frustrating it was like you yeah. could barely even like sit on the board you yeah. like fall off it's yeah. like just yeah, yeah, totally. so foreign and uh and yet you see guys that are just tearing it up out there and you know that there's there's just a gap between what you mm-hmm. do and you know and and but then you wonder like am i ever capable of that sort of thing yeah entrepreneurship i think is very similar i mean it's the kind of thing that can be learned the question is where are you on the journey some people um, you know, maybe they spent their formative years doing things that really prepped them for entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Other people, maybe you never did. Yeah. And so you're at the beginning of that journey. And that's a really scary thing because maybe you have a decade ahead of you before you actually hit the success yeah. that you're looking for. And so that frustration that Kevin feels and that other people feel, I think a lot of times is, is expectations that aren't really yeah. right because you're thinking like, I'm going to start this thing and like in a year I'm going to be successful. I'm going to leave my job and whatever. Yeah. And really maybe you have a decade in front of you. And the question is, if you had a decade before you were a successful entrepreneur, which is basically what I had mm-hmm. thinking back, yeah. you know, if you had a decade, would you still want to do it? And would it be worth it? Mm. And, you know, and think of yourself now, however old you are, you're 25 or 30 or 40 or whatever. Think about yourself 10 years from now and ask, would my 50 year old self or whatever be happy that when I was 40, I didn't give up as an entrepreneur because mm-hmm. now at that age, you are successful and your life is as yeah. blissful as you had hoped it would be. Is that worth it? Is that whole process worth it? And that, that gets to a big point to me. Really, probably the, mo- the main thing I was thinking about around this topic of expectations was really about time. Would you ever, if you've never surfed before, maybe, maybe you do, maybe you, you go, you've never surfed before. You're like, okay, I'm going to Santa Cruz. I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm going to wherever, right? Oh, look, I can, I can rent a, a, a board and a wetsuit or something. And I'm just going to go out and I'll, you know, spend a day. I'll, I know I'll fall. But I'll get back up and I'll do the thing and I'll be pretty good by the end of this day. You know, I'll be able to do this just great, right? And then it turns out you can't even put the wetsuit on. People try, yeah. <laughs> People try to do like I, I, you know, going to Santa Cruz on a on a Saturday morning, you see these kids from college going out there just like totally with the stars in their eyes, yeah. And and boy, are they ever let down so or, hard. Or or more high powered people. Our friend Ainsley Parker, who uh, is a surf instructor in um, Tofino and oh, yeah, also yeah, yeah. in Mexico. She uh, teaches outside of Puerto Vallarta in the summers, in the winters, um, women who come down who are on a yoga surf retreat who are very high-powered people in their normal lives, right? Mm. These are women who, you know, are wealthy enough to spend a week. They're career women. They are used to getting their way in the world. They've worked, they're 40 years old or whatever, and they're in shape, and they feel like they should be able to do this within Mm -hmm. a week or so. They get so pissed because it's so much harder than they expect it to be and because they can't get to where they want. So it all comes down to expectations, Yeah, whether it's entrepreneurship. So thinking specifically about timing on that, right? Well, how much time does it take you to learn how to surf? And obviously some people are are naturally coordinated in this, that, and the other, and and other people have to actually learn that for the first time. Um, so if you say, like, I'm going to be good at surfing in five years, like, I'm going to be decent, like, I'm not going to be a professional surfer, but I'm going to be able to go out, know where the waves are, catch waves, surf three waves before I come home, 
right? Do the thing. Yeah. Like you can do that in five years. You can absolutely be at that point. That's a realistic expectation. That's a true thing to say and to have in your, to hold, to, to write on the freaking board and, and put it on the wall yep. or whatever and say, I'm holding myself to that standard, which calls you up to that. It doesn't make, it means you're not quitting. You're not, you're not letting yourself fizzle out. You're not letting yourself droop down into some lower form of yourself. You are, uh, you're ass- assuming your full nature, as was said in this crazy drive through video about this lady at McDonald's who wants chicken nuggets. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. It's incredible. Did you she see says that? she's going to assume her ultimate form. Her ultimate form. So what I want you to do, yes. dear Fizzle Show listener, is to assume your ultimate form. And it's never been closer than right now. Right. But we got to re- really set those expectations. Well, but so here's the thing about expectations. We can talk all day about how having the proper expectations is going to make your life easier, but... Man. The real solution to this whole thing is reframing success and realizing that success isn't a destination, it's a journey. And if you think about that surfing metaphor, it's like, why why do you have to only be happy if you're tearing it up and surfing the three waves and like doing a couple of tricks and whatever? Why can't you be happy with the little bit of progress that you made in day one where like, oh, now I can actually put the wetsuit on. Yesterday I couldn't. Or now I can sit on my board without falling off. Like that's that's progress. And why can't you just enjoy that moment? Totally. And the same thing as an entrepreneur. It's like, you know, people want to build up an audience of a million people a month or something. Why can't you enjoy the fact that I published a thing and there are 10 people out there who care about it? Like put that in into yeah. perspective. Like how often do you go to a party and tell a story and have ten people listen to you? It's probably not very often. You're lucky to have two people listen to you. You're not like captivating the whole room. So having ten people listen to your blog, pay attention to your blog, and actually follow it, like that's a that's an accomplishment, and you should celebrate that and and look for that that connection as opposed to just you know going for the big numbers and getting frustrated because it takes so much time. Yeah, absolutely. Caleb, did you have something to add in there? I was just going to say that I think expectations come from what you see other people are able to do just mm. like with the surfing metaphor you see people doing certain things yeah and online you see successful businesses and you hear about a ton of them and you see how much money they're making if they're open with that too and that's what leads to people getting discouraged is comparison to other people to other businesses instead of just like Corbett was saying be happy with the progress you've made so far be happy with where you've been over the past year or two learning that this is the direction you want to go, even if you're not earning what you want to earn. And mm-hmm. like, you can be proud of all of that stuff along the way instead of just quitting and going. And back it's really the, the comparison game, right, Caleb? I mean, like, like always looking at what other people are doing and then beating yourself up for not accomplishing what they are and not realizing that the real success comes from forging your own path eventually and, and being comfortable in that path. Yeah, exactly. I, I got to take a little issue with, uh, you know, it is it is really easy to dole out wisdom that's like if you're discouraged where you are now or if you're discouraged like try not to be just be happy with where you have right, <laughs> right. now right like that you know that that's hard so part of it on the front half is just is, is understanding what you actually will ha- having someone who can tell you like y- you know you're not going to be able to surf today but you're going to put on the wetsuit and you're going to paddle out you know and it and yeah. that's what it's going to be like for the next 80 days well and you know what relishing getting your ass kicked in all aspects of life it's whether it's surfing or whether it's like falling flat on your face building a business and like having nobody pay attention just yeah. relishing putting yourself in those situations where at least you got to know 
where the boundary was and whether or not you would have your ass kicked. Most people don't even get off the couch. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. At least you know that. And at least you're putting yourself in situations where you can grow. That's a really big deal. I didn't, I never once ever relished in uh, a failure. I don't know if I want to say failure or like kind of getting my butt kicked or, or whatever. Taking a beating. Yeah. Realizing that I'm not good. I like to be the guy who's good at the stuff, right? Yeah. I love to get up on stage and karaoke and just blow people's minds, right? I love to do that. And I won't sing a song I don't know. because I, And I don't like playing you know, card games that I don't know how to play because I'm not good at card games. I'm like, why would I do something that I'm literally horrible at? And I'm yeah. learning because my wife wants me to and try to do this stuff. But that's a visceral thing. It's just baked into me, yeah. you know, from my dad, I'm sure. So, but recently what's been interesting, I... As I, as I was able to articulate this story, this big narrative arc of entrepreneurialism, the role that it plays, once I realized the long-term vision for the path that I'm heading on, serving an entrepreneur, realizing that I'm not the expert right now, but in 10 years, I, you bet your ass I'm going to be, now I'm like, kick my ass every you know kick my ass whenever you can because that shows i'm about to learn something interesting i'm about to have a story to learn from and I, you know in some ways i ne- but i never had that vibe ever even yeah. with learning learning guitar getting really proficient at that was a long slog of doing it but it was always interesting because i was learning new songs i don't really remember the super pain of it that yeah way, or, or relishing in it but now seeing it in that context it feels like I don't know. I kind of, I'm a little hungry for it. And also seeing that, um, you can get respect from people just for trying sometimes, Mm, you know what I mean? And failing publicly, like at least you tried and most people were afraid to try, you know, you, if you frame it that way, if you get over that little bit of uncomfortable, I'm putting myself out there and people are going to realize that I'm not perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Like nobody is perfect and and everybody knows that you're not perfect to begin with. So just, but if you actually show it and you're, and you show that vulnerability, um, we should put a link to the, um, Brene Brown talk about vulnerability Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Talk, that's fantastic. Have you ever yeah. watched that? Yeah, it's yeah. just about putting yeah. yourself out there. It's, yeah. It's and inter- a, oh, and go another it. good talk is Jia Zhang, who did uh, 100 Days of Rejection Therapy, where he just went and asked people if he could do like ridiculous things, yeah. like drive police cars and get uh, Dunkin' Donuts that look like the Olympic symbol and like just random stuff. Yeah. And people said, yeah. And he got over his fear of being rejected and stuff. Yeah. It, it reminds me of every time I hear of, a, of an author, of a writer, like in, in the interview you did with Jenny Blake recently inside of Fizzle Corbett, it's, she talks about going to like, what, 60 publishers and getting no's from all of them consecutively until the uh, 61st or whatever said yes, something like that. Yeah. That always strikes me. Isn't that crazy? Every author has that story, too. I know. Of just, uh, no, 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 no. Our friend Jesse Jacobs, who runs Samovar Tea Lounge in mm-hmm. San Francisco, he was rejected by 60 or so, maybe I'm, maybe it was 30, mm-hmm. some, some multiple <laughs> mm-hmm. number of banks. He went around for like two years looking for funding, was rejected, 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 finally, eventually got a yes. My own story is like with venture capital, mm-hmm. I, we must have pitched 25 VCs. Yeah. And were rejected by all of them and finally got a yes. And not just any yes, it was a yes from a top five firm, like a really big, important yeah, firm. Yeah. And um, that's a painful process. And you can just imagine like that the difference between getting that yes yeah. and and forever thinking that you failed was just quitting before you got the yes. You yeah, know? totally. Do you want me so, to bring this full circle since oh, you said Michael Jordan about 40 minutes ago? Let's pull, please. Let's pull okay. a circle in here. 
So this is a quote from Michael Jordan. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Bum, 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 bum. The more you know. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Crossing the finish line. <laughs> Um, no, I love it. It's per- no, I don't want this to turn into a like fail fast, fail hard, you know, kind of pithy advice. Thing, yeah, even yeah, though, yeah. but I do notice I've done a lot, a lot of randomly a bunch of interviews recently, and a bunch of these, you know, talking with you guys. Always, it feels like the same things are coming up over and over and over and over again. One of them for me is always going to be have a long term try try to meditate on a, what a long term vision of this thing looks like. Yeah. When I think of expectations, I think of you're going to have a successful blog in five years. What what do you do for the next six months that starts that journey? Yeah. And how do you just have a blast doing it along the way? Totally. You know, and just scrap to make it yeah. work. You know. And the apprentice thing always keeps coming up for me. Yeah. Because. If you put yourself under the financial duress to monetize a, 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 an infantile blog, to put pressure and sleaze on an audience that, you're, that you could make a really phenomenal thing out of, you know what I mean? Like, that's not an awesome way to do it either. To, to sort of, you know, try to go too quick to money. And at the same time, you don't want to ever build a massive audience you could never make a sustainable living out of. Otherwise, it's always going to be just a hobby. And as long as you're okay with that, then that's fine. But if you're not, if you do want to get away from your soul-sucking cubicle job, uh, then fine. But at the same time, you know, people are always encouraged to quit their job and quit their job and quit their job. Yeah. And I do have to say, like, I, there's been, you know, massively liberating moments in my life when I quit the thing. You know, it really can be the jumpstart oh of, of, of amazing things happening, yeah. right? And I was only staying there because I was afraid or because of, of whatever, right? But on the other hand, like, there's also the, you know, uh, the the thing we hear a lot is people write in saying, I want to quit my job, travel the world, and start a business, like, while I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. Take a year off, go travel the world, and start a business. And it's like... yeah. Try to travel the world and start a business at the same time. Like, yeah. holy crap. Like, traveling the world yeah, itself you, is a job. Here's a good, here's a good way to look at that, right? Spend the next two years working hard at your job and working hard on your side hustle. Totally. Then see in, how much progress you can make doing that. In two years, a job is less of a distraction than traveling the world. Exactly. In two years, then do the world win trip. You know, you're saving up money. You're living on ramen noodles between here and there. That's not realistic and uh, a challenging expectation of yeah. yourself. And in some ways, I'm using expectation one to one with the, like a term of a goal. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and it, one of the things that I heard someone say recently about goals is goals are bad because they th- they make you think that success is that kind of to your point a Corbett, destination that it's there that once I get there I'll be happy. Once I exactly. get there, instead <laughs> exactly. of having fun right now and doing it well. But, but, and this is all things that you, you're, we got to say this too. And we never, we don't say it enough. You listener, you're a big, you're a big boy. You're a big girl. This is your life. Put your big pants on. This is happening to you right now. There's more opportunity than ever. There's more technology than ever. The rules of the game have not changed since the beginning of time. Either someone wants your thing or they don't. Either you fish, you know, you got 10 fish out of the, out of the dead sea and, and either people want that kind of snapper or they don't, or they want it at that price, or they don't. It's it's all the same rules of engagement from the beginning of time, 
right? Yeah, that, that fish is worth, you know, a half a sheep for me, give me 10, yeah. and I'll give you five sheep, right? All, here we, those are, that's a, that's a high quality fish. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, like it, this is your, we are doing it ourselves. And we are fighting every inch of the battle. And that's something you can take comfort in, which is the great equalizer is that if you have something that people want, it doesn't matter who approves of you or who you know or whatever. Like, make something that people want, and that's the great equalizer. Like, put your thing out there. If people want to buy it, they're going to buy it. And, And another thing that keeps coming up, and that hasn't come up here yet, and I still might as well just say it, is care. First, care. Right? I'll link to that article again that I love so much about before you look at the market saturation, before you do competitive analysis, before you think about how you can create a product to sell into the space and yada, 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 and what tool are you going to use for a payment processor and all this other bull crap, right? Do You can make your thing something you care about. Exactly. You can do that, yeah. right? Or you can create your own soul-sucking prison you can leave this corporate job and create your own soul-sucking prison, your very own misery that you get to try to find a way to escape from later on. Totally. And either way, you end up still going to the grave with the song unsung. Totally. Which is so poetic. Oh, I love that. You're looking oh. at your computer. Do you have a, co- a quote or something you want to say? No, I was just, I was just thinking, like, if I, if I had to sum this up, this, yeah. whole, this whole thing, put a bow on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only expectations that you can have are, I think, first of all, that nothing is going to go as planned. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't know. The thing that you pick might be a rocket ship Mm -hmm. and you're going to be a a huge success in six months. That happens to people. It does. The other thing is like this thing that you pick, maybe it's not ever going to work out. And the next thing you pick, that's not going to work out either. And finally your third or fourth attempt 10 years from now, that's going to work. And the question is, do you love the thought of being an entrepreneur and the process and the journey of being an entrepreneur enough to go through that? The second thing that you can expect is that your mind is going to play tricks on you like you've never experienced before when you try to be an entrepreneur. You are going to worry about going homeless, about not being able to feed yourself, about Mm -hmm. your spouse leaving you, about being a complete failure. Totally. Um, All of this stuff is going to go through your mind almost every day, especially in the beginning um, and that's another thing that you can count on. You can make your life a lot easier by solving the first one, by trying to enjoy the process and the journey. And the second one, yeah. recognizing that your mind's playing tricks on you and you got to try to even it out a little bit, like see the bigger picture, like, okay, yeah. maybe it's not working right now, but what can I do to get one step closer to my goal day by day? Totally. Caleb, what, what, if you had to say like actual specific expectations and, and, you know, probably just just from your own story about the kinds of things that you're building, what would you what would you say? Well, I'd say if if you can just continue to have the determination that even if the thing you're working on doesn't work, that you'll figure out and learn from this one enough so that your next one or the one after that does, like like Corbett was saying. So like it, it's about having that determination to continue to keep on trying and to keep getting back on the horse after you get knocked off. Yeah, that that in and of itself can can override any expectations of failure that you might think you have. Yeah. It's uh, maybe this is a reiteration of both of those things. Uh, no copies, <laughs> no, but no, no coconuts. But um, in some ways it's, it's this first of, first and foremost to me as time. Think about this blog that you want to make. There, you can go buy a whole lot of like 60 days to online financial success products. Go buy those. Go try it out. Go do the thing, right? You'll make a product. Yeah, it'll be great. Go, anything that gets you started, first of all. 
That's one of the things we know we kind of we always keep saying as well. Just get started. Go break your first front tooth on a thing and see what it's like because it's going to happen at some point and just like in Fight Club, you're going to realize you're not a piece of glass. You're going to it's good and that's going to change your whole world. You know what I mean? Then there's this concept I I, I don't know that that we've all reiterated the time that it'll take and the work that it's going to take. Like we've said before, everything becomes a job in the end. Not, that, that has something to do with, when I say that, when I'm, I'm heading towards motivation, you will lose motivation and you will have to push through. And, and you're going to have to ask yourself, why am I continuing to push through this even though my heart isn't all that in it right now? Well, because it serves a valuable story that you care about, right? And then the concept of, it, if you can just realize and put yourself in a position to say, I'm going to be... I'm going to know how to make money and do this thing in five years, in seven years, or two years, or whatever, right? Be realistic about that. I would say make it five years. In five years, you've, you've quit the job. You're like, well, you know what you're doing, right? That is an awesome, you've got enough time to learn as much as possible. But if you're going to just drag your feet in between here and there, you can't, I don't want you doing that then. Maybe you do need to pull the ripcord, quit the job, fly out on your own and do the thing. You're going to live out of some desperation. You're going to make business decisions out of best desperation. You're going to make sales. Sleep in your car for a while. You're going to do sales stuff out of desperation. That means it's going to be inherently harder and less inherently creative, less inherently you from default. It's going to be inherently things that you see, Caleb, like what you were saying. It's going to be inherently more like people who you see who are successful because you need that success so bad, you know? Yeah. But if you can say, if you can put that cushion out for five years and say, I'm going to learn about myself, I'm going to learn about this audience, and I'm going to be the expert in serving them, like Steve's done with Nerd Fitness, that most of the people who are successful found themselves at the helm of a business sort of surprised. You know what I mean? Steve with Nerd Fitness, sort of surprised about that. Wasn't super intentional. Same with you, uh, Corbett, about Think Traffic. You were intentional, and you knew you had to like, okay, we went from CorbettBar.com, like, thinking about traveling the world and being myself, and what's it like to be an entrepreneur, and what does life matter? But like, what what is this for? I love when you do my voice. What could we do for fun and make money doing it? Can you do Caleb's voice next? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not capable or qualified. You can't switch. To drop a logic bomb. <laughs> a watch Just a watch bomb. A watch bomb. Um, but you went from that into like, okay, how can I, what can I do that has the potential to actually earn income? Yeah. You know, so I could do this for a living. And you don't know which direction it's going to go necessarily. You tried it out having no guarantees. Yep. You got, you got, you know, to Kevin's, his name was Kevin, right? Kevin's yeah. question. Yep. You got totally, you know, discontentment about this thing, disappointment about this thing. You got down in the dirt about it. It hurt like hell at some points. It sucked. It was difficult, etc. And yet you're still here. Whether it's because the stars still aligned. Still here. <laughs> Whether it's because I'm still trying to figure out what's so good about life and how to do business. <laughs> so good. But whether it's a stars aligned sort of thing uh, or whether it's because you just stuck it through, who's to say, right? Yeah. But the thing that you mentioned, uh, and maybe we'll go out on this, Corbett, that I really dug, and it's something we've said before. You know, we know the statistics on entrepreneurs who fail, how often that happens. It's seven to, ten, seven to eight out of ten. Uh, entrepreneurs fail on their first go. No, around. businesses fail. Businesses fail. Right, which is the same to me in some ways. So every every business has a person at the back behind it. Maybe it's a partnership or whatever. But I don't. And the statistics on the second time 
from a small small thing that I saw. They get better. They get a little bit better. Not surprisingly, not by all that much. But like you said, you went into the third time. Anticipate three failures. If you can expect to try something and fail, try something and fail, try something and fail. And in between each one of those failures and, and tryings, you've learned a thing and you're parlaying that knowledge into another venture. You've learned a, your second thing and you're parlaying that into the next venture. Right. If you can anticipate that, that's why I say five years. Because it doesn't take five years to start a successful blog. It takes five years to figure out which blog is right for you, how you need to write, how, you know, learning to talk in your own voice is a whole other thing. Holy crap, have I been talking for like 35 minutes, just ranting? I haven't even given you guys a chance here. No, I already gave mine. I already summed it up. I I guess I just don't want it to end, you know? It just feels so good. It does. It starts to feel good. You just want it to keep going. Because I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to this little four-year-old in me who just feels like a piece of crap, right? Yeah. I'm talking to the little... I feel like you talk to yourself a lot. I, I don't even know which voice is mine anymore. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have been Chase Warbin Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. And I've been Caleb Logic. God, you know what? Seriously, that anticipation... It's tease. It's I can't tease. believe how much you've built that up, Caleb. How many episodes do you think I could go without saying It is that? visceral You went for me. a while. Don't even tell me. Because yeah, exactly. I don't have... Just I have do very, it on Prime Number episodes. Very few things <laughs> in my life are this like like viscerally like exciting. Except when I have to pee. So there you have it. It doesn't take five years to make a successful thing... It takes five years to find a thing that's right for you, a place where your skills are valuable and put a dent into an audience that resonates. There's lots of notes on this show, including the most epic two-minute commencement speech video ever. It's amazing if you haven't seen it. You'll find that, along with everything else, at fizzleshow.co slash 24. The numbers two and four. Okay, that's F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 24. Tell us what you think there. You'll see the comments. I'm loving getting to talk to you guys there in the comments. And in fact, speaking of talking to you people, uh, we had a meetup here in San Francisco with some fizzlers. You guys, real people listen to this show. Like real people are going through the training at fizzle.co and real people with like families and kids and good ideas, like real businesses. It's incredible. Uh, It was so awesome to hear the stories. And so thanks to everyone who came out there. If you're a real person and you like this show, really, please consider leaving us a review uh, in iTunes, an honest rating. It doesn't cost you much, and it means the world to us because it helps other hopeful entrepreneurs find this show. Okay, so open up iTunes, go to the store. There's a little tab on the left that says store, and just search for Fizzle. You'll see our cute little faces staring right there eager like eager little puppies give us a review would you we all want to do it in a straight line but it never is it never is your journey to success will whatever success is right but your journey there will probably look more like a spiral than a straight line so expect course corrections give yourself time to develop so you're strong and smart enough to make a real dent in things Release the anxiety about how soon you think you need to do this and enjoy yourself as much as humanly possible. And when you create out of joy and delight, when you try to come up with your business ideas then, you might be surprised with the results. I'll see you next Fizzle Friday. Thanks, guys.